you have your Bible and want to read with us the book of Isaiah, chapter number 38. We'll begin reading with verse number 1. Parents, if you have a child that's a youth age, maybe a, right around that preteen or teenage, uh, Sister Kirsten would like to meet with you right after service this morning. Uh, good, to, good to have Tim in service with us this morning. It's good to see Tyler, his girlfriend, in service with us this morning. Good to have the Whitley's in service with us this morning. If you're visiting, then we're grateful you're here. And if you're home folk, then we're grateful you're here. Amen. I love you this morning. Glad to see you in the house of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 38, reading, uh, beginning with verse number one. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet the son of Amos came unto him, said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall, prayed unto the Lord, and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house, and that which thy fathers have laid up in store under this day shall be carried to Babylon, nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, they shall, or shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. I want to use uh, for our key text, verse number five, thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I've heard thy prayers, I've seen thy tears, and behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years. God spoke this this week. It's a challenge when you're, Preaching, especially in a Sunday through Friday revival, you're preparing every day for the service that night, but you've also got to cram in enough time that I had to be ready when I got here because I didn't get into yesterday, so I had to have this ready, so I had to prepare while I was there, but while in revival and praying and seeking for this message today, God spoke to me in prayer and said, I want you to ask him Sunday morning, what would you do with more time? You think about this, Isaiah was going to die. But God spared him 
and said, I just gave you 15 more years. What would you do with more time? Father, we thank you for your word. I pray and ask that you touch this feeble voice, Lord. It's worn out from preaching all week. I pray you'll keep it strong. I pray, Lord, you'll anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what the Spirit would say unto the church. Speak to every heart and life. I pray, O oh God, minister to meet every need. I pray, God, that what you're about to say to us, we would apply it unto wisdom. And, oh God, we would walk out and live out this word that we would be the church and instead of just belong to the church. Help us in these last days, oh God, to do your will so that we might hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, most of what is uh, written concerning the kings are either recorded, if it's not recorded, in this case, Hezekiah's story, because Isaiah the prophet was the one that prophesied to him, is found in the book of Isaiah, but you'll find the history and the works of the king or the kings of Israel, either in first or second kings in the Old Testament or in first or second chronicles and in some occasions you'll find them in both and in second chronicles I wanted to in chapter 32 kind of give you the parallel of what we just read in second chronicles 32 and 22 same story same king same prophet Thus, saith the, or, Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all other, and guided them on every side. And many brought gifts unto the Lord to Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was magnified in the sight of all nations. From thenceforth, you just to make a little mental note in your mind, God wrought a victory over their enemies, and Hezekiah was the one that prayed and sought God for deliverance. Sennacherib sent a note and said, going to come, besiege the land, going to kill you, kill you men, take your wives to be ours, make your children our servants. There's no escape. You may as well lay down your arms, make it easy on yourself, and surrender. Hezekiah took that letter, laid it on the altar of the Lord, and said, Lord, you see what Hezekiah said, or what Sennacherib said. He's making a mockery of you. He thinks that you're weak like all the false gods of all the other nations that he's invaded. Lord, if we... If we make it through this, it's going to take your help. And God delivered him. God gave them victory over Sennacherib and all the Assyrians that thought to destroy them. The Bible said that many brought gifts unto the Lord to Jerusalem and they brought presents to Hezekiah, the king of Judah. Here it is. So that he, not the Lord, 
so that he was magnified in the sight of all nations from thenceforth. It's just something about giving somebody a little money and a little power. And it, it goes to their head. And then right, the next verse said, in those days, because God knows how to deflate a man's head. In those days, Hezekiah was sick to the death. Prayed unto the Lord and spake unto him and he gave him a sign. But listen to this. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him for his heart was lifted up. Therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Hezekiah had exceeding much riches and honor, and he made himself treasuries for silver and for gold and for precious stones and for spices and for shields and for all manner of pleasant jewels. Storehouses also for the increase of corn and wine and oil and stalls for all manner of beasts and coats for the flocks. Moreover, he provided him cities and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him substance very much. This same Hezekiah also stopped the upper water course of Gihon, that's the river, and brought it straight down to the west side of the city of David. Hezekiah prospered in all his works. Howbeit in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, God left him to try him that he may know all that was in his heart. If you were the ruler of Israel, the king of Israel, God had just delivered you from somebody that wanted to destroy you. God had just healed you from a terminal disease and literally saved your life. I mean, on back-to-back -back occasions, blessed you with more than you could ever spend or want to have in life and promised you 15 more years to live. What would you do with that precious time? I feel like our nation this morning is in a crossroads. I really do. I feel like the church this morning's in the crosshairs. I really feel like we're living on borrowed time. As a nation, I feel like we as a church are living on borrowed time. You know if they can censor the president of the United States to where you can't hear anything he wants to say. What do you think they're going to do to some old backwoods country, country preacher from Alabama? I, when you look at Hezekiah's story, and when God, the moment God told him, you got 15 more years, 
He was the only man I know of that could have went to the calendar and said, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I got 15 years from today before I'll die. That would have been pretty nice, wouldn't it? I know. I don't know what a day is going to bring forth, but I know I won't be dying today. I know I got 15 years to live. I've just been unique. I don't have that promise. You don't have that promise. None of us have that, prom uh, that promise. We could die today. We've got to live prepared right now, either to face the judgment because we've met our appointment. It's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment, or at the very least, I got to be ready for Jesus to come back. But here's a man that had the promise of 15 years. He's supposed to be dead, but God heard his prayer, sent the prophet right back to the Lord. Heard your prayer, seen your tears, and he wants me to tell you he added 15 years to your life. Woo! Thank God. But now, Hezekiah, you are literally living on borrowed time. You're supposed to be a dead man. But you're alive. You're living on borrowed time. I want to tell you, that sounds a whole lot like our story. The Bible said that you and I were dead in trespassing in sin. But the Lord heard our prayer, seen our tears, uh, and sent Christ to rescue us and to save us, to save us through his blood and by his death and resurrection. He's given unto us eternal life. And you and I are living this morning on borrowed time. You're supposed to be dead and in hell right now, but you're alive. Your name's in the book of life. You've been given abundance. You, you've been made wealthy in Christ. You've been made to prosper in your soul. You've been given a healthy body, a sound mind. You live in a, in a nation where, where religious liberty is practiced in the open. You can read your Bible with no fear of going to prison. You can stand on a street corner in most places and preach to God you can't in Foley. But in most places, uh, I just had to throw that in there. You can't in Foley. They passed an ordinance where you can't street preach without a permit, and they won't give you a permit. How about that? Amen. I, I said years ago, right here in Foley, man, what's the world coming to? When you can't on the street corner in Alabama without the law pulling up to you and telling you you got to shut it down not be able to so-called preach, but uh, supposedly we're in a nation where we can freely serve the Lord. I want to ask you this morning, I want to ask those that are watching or will watch uh, online, what are you doing with the borrowed time that you got left? Would you... If you were King Hezekiah, would you be making repairs to the temple? Would you be in prayer, receiving inspiration from God and 
writing psalms for worship? Would you have the law read and distributed to all the people? Would you have true prophets go among the people and say, guys, I just want to give you free reign to the kingdom. I want you to preach to everybody that'll hear. How would you have used your time as the king of Israel? Well, the te our text revealed what Hezekiah did. And we read the verses in what he did. What we, we read where the text said that he built up his treasuries with wealth and shields. He built storehouses. He built stalls, barns, sheepfolds. Uh, he even built an aqueduct. He went to the river Gihon. He stopped it up or dammed it up, built a huge aqueduct and piped water into the city of David where he was. And he did that against the day of war because there was no water in the city. He, he put aqueducts that carried river water there so that if their city was besieged in war, they could just close themselves in in the walls and they had everything they needed to survive. So he even went through all the trouble to aqueduct water into Jerusalem and the city of David. That, or doesn't that sound like uh, Hezekiah is doing a lot with the 15 years that God gave him. He's making a lot of preparations, but really none of them were for the next life. None of them were eternal preparations. Everything was storing or laying up treasures here on the earth. Treasuries for payoffs to other kings. Storehouses for food. Stalls and folds for animal. Water for survival. In that regard, Hezekiah is still trusting God, but doing so weak-heartedly, if you will. He's putting all the emphasis now in his life on material things. And in Isaiah's rendering of the same story, it said his heart was being lifted up in pride. People were bringing him presents. Oh, what a godly king you are. Prayed such a powerful prayer. God wrought such a beautiful deliverance. Uh, and they were giving him gifts and swelling his head up. And his heart was lifted up in pride. He's putting emphasis on material things and hardly doing anything about the spiritual needs uh, and the decaying morals uh, of his fellow countrymen. In Deuteronomy 17, in verses 16 and 17, God warned Israel's kings not to multiply their wives, their horses, and their wealth. They were to make a copy of God's law, to have it read to the people every day, and to live in accordance to God's word. But it's sad that Hezekiah done none of those things and though he did all the all these things, uh, it was as if he wasted 15 good years that could have been good spiritual, yes. uh, spiritual yes. prosperous years. Uh, he could have led a nation in revival 
but instead all he had his eyes on was the economy. All he had his eyes on was the stock market. All he had his eyes on were job increases or job losses. I'm just saying it sounds an awful lot like where we are in America right now living on borrowed time. I can't, listen, if Sullivan could change Washington, it'd be changed tomorrow, I guarantee you. I'd round them up. Everyone that's committed fraud, everyone that's lied and stole and cheated, I'd round them all up. At the very least, they'd be fired. At the very worst, they'd be in prison. I can't fix Washington. Can't do it. Neither can you. I did my part. I voted my biblical conviction. I voted against everybody I knew that would stand for abortion. I voted against everything I knew that would say boys can now go into a girl's locker room in a public school because they think they're a girl. I voted against that garbage. But I can't do anything about it. I want to tell you this. I've got enough sense to know that as a nation, we're living on borrowed time. I got enough sense to know as a man, as a husband, as a dad, and as a grandpa, and as a pastor, as a brother, as a fellow countryman, I got enough sense to know to tell you we're living on borrowed time. And while you may be concerned, the direction that Biden is taking this country and what he's going to do to your 401k and what he's going to do to the moral climate of our nation and, and, and what the libs are going to do to the financial well-being of our country in selling us out. I want to tell you, there's a greater need we have that we can do something about. I would take the money that I had and the Bible said to lay it up where thieves can't steal it and moths or rust can't corrupt it. I'd be given to the kingdom of God like I never gave before. And I don't mean Brother Eddie's preaching to get a raise today. I'm just saying instead of a Worried about a 401k, there are people I know that say I love Jesus uh, that are banking up money for Mr. Biden to take it away from them. Uh, hell. I everything in that 401k, you're about to watch it go. That's right. That's right. I got one. And the Lord said to me in prayer, you go watch it. All go away. And if you'd have gave it to the Lord, you couldn't have ever lost it. But I got to prepare. You living on bar time. You do need to prepare. What are you preparing for? Eternity. I'm saying any of us could die tomorrow. At best, what have you done with the Christian liberty given you? What good's a Bible if you ain't going to read it? What good's a voice? God can just strip our voice. The most precious commodity I got outside of life. That's 
breathing and blood coursing through me, my heart beating. The, the most precious commodity I've got uh, as a preacher of the gospel is my voice. I, I try to protect it. It's telling Brother uh, Larry in that revival about halfway through, I was stripping all my gears. My voice was getting pretty th threadbare. And I just said, Lord, I'm going to back out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back down a little bit. Instead of grinding all my gears, I'm going to back down and you're just going to have to pick up where I let off because i got to save this for Sunday. i got to save this a, a little bit for Sunday. Why? My voice. i got to preach. i got to tell somebody what God's Word says. i got to tell somebody what the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart in prayer. I want to tell you, on a job you work, uh, in the home you live in, with that unsaved spouse, uh, those unsaved children, where they're bound on drugs or in a prison cell somewhere, the most precious commodity you got uh, is your influence over them as a mom or a dad or a grandparent, uh, an influence over them as a boss or a, or, or a neighbor, somebody that they, that they look to with respect, uh, the most precious commodity you've got uh, is going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What good is a voice uh, if you're not going to use it for God? You need to tell somebody that Jesus is about to come. You need to tell somebody that they're living on borrowed time. And the Bible said the soul that sinneth shall surely die. Just as sure as there's a heaven, there's a hell. And except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's my responsibility. It's your responsibility. What good is it to be in a great nation if we're going to watch it go to hell? He could have built Judah up spiritually, but instead he tried to build up their wealth and prosperity. He focused solely on material things. We focus more on our treasuries, our storehouses, our projects, rather than focusing on God's kingdom, a spiritual family, a devoted and upright character. I'm talking about living holy. I'm talking about living pure. I'm talking about being devoted and committed to Christ. Oh, hallelujah to God. We worry about our name, our reputation, our character. I don't ever want to be labeled as lazy. I don't ever want to be labeled as sorry. I don't ever want to be labeled as a liar, as a crook, as a thief, as any of those things. We worry about our name and our character and our reputation where our job and where our family heritage is concerned. I want to tell you, you need to start looking at the spiritual side of it. 
You need to make sure every day the Bible said, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. I know he speaks mysteries to God, but you ought to pray through every day of your life. Make you an altar, edify your soul. Worry about what heaven thinks. Are you lazy spiritually? Are you sorry spiritually? Are you robbing God spiritually? I, I, I want to guard and protect and build up what Christ holds valuable. What good is it to be a good man in the world's eyes and be sorry and lazy and good for nothing as far as the Lord's concerned? Are we giving our all to him? Have we become weary in the Christian race? Are we trusting him like Hezekiah very weak-heartedly? Look again in Isaiah 39 where an envoy is sent by the king of Babylon to visit Hezekiah. You can rest assured that visit was more than just a house call to congratulate the king on surviving his sickness, but Babylon was Assyria. That was King Sennacherib's rival. And these ambassadors were trying to get King Hezekiah to join them, making alliance with them. It's almost like... Uh, He's America and China. Now that Trump's out, let's just be buddies and pals. He wants Hezekiah to join him in an alliance, and Hezekiah is now playing with fire and courting disaster. He shows all of his riches. Somebody helps us to understand what's going on. With this rendering, another translation, translation read, Hezekiah feels flattered. Flattery is hard to resist. His sense of self-importance is now clouding his sense of God's importance. Poor, naive Hezekiah. He, he now wants to be a player in international politics. He now wants to be a king recognized as a superpower. He wants to be in the big leagues even if God isn't there with him. He doesn't ever ask God before he makes a league or an alliance with Babylon and because he don't, God comes to him. He allowed those men to come to try Hezekiah Hezekiah's heart, the Bible said, and when he did what he did, God said, you know what? You ain't even got any boys right now, but in the next 15 years, what sons are born to your household? He said, they're going to be eunuchs in the palace of the Babylonian king. All that money you stored up the, over the next 15 years, they're going to come and take every dime of it because you Wanted to be with them more than you wanted to be with me. The Bible says to Solomon, if you try to make an alliance and an allegiance to this world, they're going to take your children. If your children see that you love the world and that you desire the world, then guess what, honey? They're going to go headlong after the world. 
if they see the world's more important to you than God is, they are going after the world. They're good listeners. They're good learners. And they're going to do what you teach them to do. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. If you train them that God is more important than anything else, that God has preeminence in every area of my life. I, you do whatever you want to do. I believe a Christian pays their bills. But before I ever worried about how much bill money I needed, the tithe was the Lord's. And then the bill money was always there. Just didn't worry about it. I didn't figure out how much I had for bills and how much I got for groceries. And if I got enough, I'll give God something left over. No, no. The tithe goes to the Lord. And then I had enough for bills and I had enough for groceries. you just saying that because you're the preacher and you want the church to prosper. I ain't always been a preacher. I want to tell you, God wouldn't have called a man that didn't pay his tithe to even preach. Hallelujah. You wasn't going to shout, so I shouted for you. These Babylonians didn't care anything about him. In their eyes, he's just another little king. Another little country boy that they've got their eyes to take what he's got. As they walk with him from room to room in his palace, they politely smile and nod, give him a little ooh and an ah when he shows off everything they've got and they're thinking they're laughing in their minds. Oh, Neb back home's got 10 times what this old boy's got. He thinks he's rich. I think that's what God's doing when he looks down at Mr. Bill Gates. I read an article this week. I don't know what he's up to. I know he's all into this COVID vaccine stuff. I know he's a major political component in the Democratic Party. He is for globalism, one world government, all that stuff. I know he's an atheist, hates God, hates the church. He just bought this this month 70,000 acres uh, north of Dallas in Texas. I was out in Texas. Uh, I was reading that story. And uh, he bought 70,000 acres in Dallas of farmland, and it said that he has long been the largest owner of farmland in this country, really in the world. I think he's got 700 and some odd thousand acres of farmland that he's bought in America. That's either knowing that the dollar's going to tank he needs assets bound up in land to retain his wealth, or he's going to be a major party in making sure the world goes hungry one day. You won't buy, sell, or, or, or trade. You won't eat one day without an allegiance to the Antichrist. That is, if you get left. I don't plan on getting left. They're just making a men. These Babylonians are making a mental inventory of what they'll someday carry back to Babylon. And they were exactly right because God said they would. Isaiah then tells Hezekiah that all these things and his sons are going to be carried away into Babylon. 
before looking at the closing verse of that chapter in 2 Chronicles 32, verse 31, we read, however, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land, God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. What was wrong with his heart? We've already seen it was growing colder and colder by the day. Hezekiah answers the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 39 and 8, the word of the Lord, which you have spoken is good. For he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. Do you paraphrase it? This is what he said. I had to read it about eight or ten times. He said, what's he talking about? The word you've spoken is good, for there's going to be peace and truth in my days. This is what he was saying. At least there's going to be peace and truth in my days. Uh, you had me worried there for a minute. All this talk about Babylonian invasion. Woo! All this talk about the collapse of our nation, the, the implosion of our economy, the, you know, the stock market crashing, hard times in America. Woo-wee! You had me worried there for a minute. Uh, at least in my lifetime, it's going to be good. There's going to be peace and truth in my day. God help your children and God help your grandchildren. You've sold them down the river. Even if, even if you don't live to see the destruction, if you waste all your days, what good's leaving your children a little bit of money if they're all lost? They're going to use it for the devil within a couple of months after you being gone. Listen. Isaiah was literally, Hezekiah was literally living on bar time. It's amazing how easily he forgot that he should have been dead. He of all people should have known his days were now literally numbered by God and that he would stand before God soon. With each passing year, for 15 years he knew every day, I'm one step closer to death. It only makes sense that he would prepare for eternity, right? But we're, really, we're in, this, we're in the same boat. We could place our name in, in front of Hezekiah's and it would almost be just like our testimony. We're living on borrowed time. We should all be dead or in hell. Every day of our life, we're one step closer to death. Our nation one step closer to sudden destruction. And what are we doing? Listen, Psalmist said in Psalms 90 and verse 3, Thou turnest man to destruction. Come help me, curse if I'm finished. Thou turnest man to destruction and saith, Return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep in the morning. They are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourishes and groweth up. In the evening it's cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath. We are troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance for all our days. 
are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are three score years uh, and ten, that's uh, seventy years. And if by reason of strength they might be four score years, that is eighty years old, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. That's a psalm of Moses saying to the children of Israel, you got 70 to 80 years at the very best. You're living on borrowed time. If you were spiritual, you ought to number every day you've got. Live each day like it's your last and apply your heart to wisdom. 2 Corinthians 6 and 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee, or, that, or have I drawn you close to me. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of a man. Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 26, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world, Mr. Gates, and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Is 700,000 acres of farmland a good trade for an eternity in hell is multiplying billions of dollars uh, a good exchange uh, for an eternity in hell I would tell him you're crazy you're insane I'd sell out uh, to God if I were you John chapter 12 and verse 24 verily or truly I say unto you except a corn of wheat Fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth this life uh, shall lose it. He that hateth this life in this world shall keep it under life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. I'm closing with this thought. God said to me, what did Zacchaeus do? with the time that he had left after he met Jesus. The Bible tells us what he did. Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. I've taken anything of any man by false accusation. I'll restore it back to him fourfold. What did the man from Gadara do? When he had an encounter with Christ, the devil's trying to kill him, but the Lord came and saved him. What did he do with his time left? In the book of Acts, it says, uh, and when he was come into the, not Acts, uh, but in the gospel, it said, when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him, howbeit Jesus uh, suffered or allowed him not. But saith unto him, Go home to thy friends uh, and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish or to 
preach in the capitalist how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. What did the apostle Paul do? Uh, when he was struck down on the road to Damascus and the Lord saved him, what did he do with the time that he had left? In 2 Timothy 4 and 7, I fought a good fight. Uh, I finished my course. Uh, I kept the faith. Uh, henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, uh, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. He said, I spent my days uh, warring a good warfare. I spent the rest of my time laying hold on eternal life. I spent my days praying without ceasing. I spent my days fulfilling the great commission, spreading the gospel over the known world, planting church after church after church. So at the end of his life, he said, my hands are pure from the blood of all men. I cease not to declare unto you the whole counsel of God with tears. Both night and day, I kept back nothing. You can try to save your life. Try to spare yourself a lot of trouble, a lot of time, a lot of heartache. You know, study takes time. A lot of time. Apply your heart to wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Praying takes time. Studying takes time. Applying wisdom takes time. Time away from the ball field. Time away from the bowling alley time away from Facebook time away from this that and the other time away from a television time away from your favorite drama series uh, applying your heart and life to wisdom I want to tell you your days are numbered you're living on borrowed time your children are growing old without God your grandchildren are inheriting a backslidden nation that without revival is doomed to peril. I don't think anybody with gray hair sitting in here this morning thinks I'm telling you a lie where our nation's concerned. I don't even know the nation I'm living in anymore. Every media outlet is now a propaganda organization that just spreads political lies and propaganda and censors the truth. I might as well be living in China. You go to prison for preaching this in China and the day is swiftly coming. We're going to leave for our grandchildren to inherit a nation. Old Papa used to preach. Hear me, saith the Lord, for I speak by my spirit as I have spoken by my word. These are yet the last days. These are the beginning of sorrows. Darkness is now covering the earth and gross darkness the people. But in this, these last days, this is your time, saith God for my glory to be revealed in your heart.
the glory of my son will shine through my church in this dark hour. I will be glorified in the midst of my people. My name shall be heard and known and will be renowned. I will be glorified in my son. My son will be glorified in his church, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. If you will, stand with me this morning. I said before I ever got to preaching, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Is a sandwich really worth burning out of here over and not taking a few minutes of praying and seeking the Lord? Is a ball game really worth missing time with the Lord? It's whatever's going on out in the world that's keeping you from applying wisdom your heart and numbering your days and making preparations for eternity, is that really worth it? When we're on the brink of the rapture, I think not. I want to open this altar up and ask you, if you will, to come and seek the Lord with me. What are you going to do with the time you got left? I'm going to number my days and apply my heart to wisdom. I'm going to make sure that I hear the Lord say, well,